welcome back to Capital Stories. This is the podcast where we talk to real people about real issues and explore intersections of life and faith to encourage you in your personal walk with Jesus. We interviewed Denise Druce months ago and have kind of been sitting on this episode waiting until about now to release it because she talks about the prison system and the prison here in Salt Lake is opening soon. Um, and you may be hearing about that on the news. So we, we thought now's a great time to, to put this episode out there. And Denise has a history with the prison system. And um, I don't know, Tara, tell us about Denise. And You know, we talk about real people and real issues. And, and part of the, the reason we even launched this podcast, remember way back yeah. when, was was we had this sort of heart of compassion. We wanted to tell stories. Yeah. We also wanted to shine a light in, in regularly on issues of social justice, right. on issues that involve how we think about marginalized populations, right. on and ways that we can help. Yeah. yeah, things that are going on in our communities. And we get to hear from somebody who has a very personal uh, experience with her own dad interacting with the the prison system and who's dedicated now the better part of her life yeah. to personally going in to the prison system and interacting specifically with women yeah. using her yoga practice using her training to change lives yeah. help people rebuild their lives and find freedom inside yeah. us inside a cell and it is it is motivating we learn about the the prison system here in our in in the Salt Lake community and the Utah community, but I think are inspired to make the effort to to uh, we're inspired to remember what a difference we can make when we look in the eyes of somebody yeah. going through something difficult yeah. and don't write that story for them. Right. So we hope you listen in and enjoy as we talk to Denise Drews. One of my hopes for this channel was that we could create a space for us to learn. You know this, Eric, when yep. we talked about this yeah. originally, um, about issues and topics faced by particularly vulnerable mm-hmm. populations. And unseen. I, the unseen, yeah. right? And we're gonna, we've got a particularly unseen population we're going to talk about today. I believe personally that God has a particularly tender heart for those populations. Mm. And we're talking about those that are incarcerated in um, our jails and in our prisons and are literally to most of us that wouldn't have a reason for visiting those facilities literally just invisible yeah right yeah one of the quotes that um, i heard this week from our guest is prisons do not disappear social problems they disappear people and i got that quote from denise druce who's with us today welcome denise Thank you. And who said that? Who had that quote? It's Angela yeah. Davis. It's not my quote. Right. Right. Yeah. But it. But it's a good. It's a good thing to remember. It's a good yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Really, I liked that a lot. Yeah. Prisons do not disappear social problems; they disappear people. This topic of incarceration or incarcerated people became personal for me. Where just a few years ago, I had a very close friend who we went to graduate school together. And really, really close, and and it and it came out over time that she had had committed a federal crime, and I was with her um, the day before she voluntarily surrendered to the prison, and was in there for fifteen months, and going through the process of hearing about her experience inside, and then her experience coming back and reintegrating into the world, and and the challenges that are sometimes even harder trying mm. to reintegrate, right? And I, I don't mean that to somebody who knows because I haven't done it, but yeah. from ex- witnessing some of that, just to become more aware of that population of individuals in yeah. our communities. And Denise, this topic of incarceration is also personal to you. You had experience with 
prison at a young age. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, When I was 13 years old, my dad, who was an alcoholic, was sentenced to prison. And over the course of 15 years, he was in and out three times. So a good chunk of my teenage years and young adult years, my dad was in prison. We have a really close family. And so I, my grandparents really were insistent that we visit. Mm. And so I did. I spent a lot of time there. And it was, it was a horrible place to visit for a kid. I, I just I hated it. That was one of the darkest seasons of my life. When I look back on that, I don't look back on it with any f- fondness mm. at all. And then you have spent your professional life dedicated to health. And fitness. Yeah. And finding ways to use that passion and that gift to bring help to people that are hurting to and the part of and that that's part of the purpose of what you do, particularly through yoga. Now through yoga, I've been a fitness instructor for since 40 there were years. leg warmers. Yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Maybe even before. I don't know. <laughs> since there were stretchy tights and thong leotards and yeah, all those yeah, embarrassing right, things. Right, yeah. Right. Those thick tights. So me and Jane Fonda, we go yes. way back. But yeah, so that's been it fitness has been my career since mm. for forty years. And as as any fitness instructor that's been in that business long enough will tell you, eventually your body starts to not love all the pounding. Mm. And yoga was just a great natural next step for me, just mm. physically for my body. But also, you know, as the trends picked up in fitness, I've always jumped on, you know, the, the a new way to help people feel better in their bodies. Mm. So now I still keep my foot in the fitness world, but I do spend most of my time teaching yoga and training yoga teachers. Mm-hmm. And you brought up the service piece of it. I, I have a mentor who challenged me, challenges everyone. If you want to know where to serve, go to your wounds, go to where you've mm-hmm. experienced pain. Mm-hmm. When I heard that at first, I started teaching to AA groups. I figured, you know, my pain was having an alcoholic father. Okay. So I taught classes in in areas of addiction, but it never felt like where I was supposed to be. It just felt like a nice thing to do for people. And then one day, just out of the blue, I don't even know why, it just came to me that I should be teaching in the prison. Really? And that first thought literally put my stomach in knots. I, Mm. I like... The answer was no. I'm not sounds going a lot back like there. God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It sounds yeah. like no, I don't want to do that. But yeah. let's dig into this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it was definitely it was a clear calling. There's just no question about it. And I did not want to do it. But I I followed that. And you know, walking back into that space, yeah. I, I sent one email and the answer was yes. And within <gasps> a week I was cleared to go in and teach to the women. And I wondered if that would be this, you know, the same being in the women's prison. But I'll, you know, the TED Talk will will express more than I can right now. But yes, Denise has an incredible TED Talk. It's about nine and a half minutes. We're going to have it in the resources, well, yeah, we'll which in which is 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 well worth watching. So take a take a look at that. Yeah. So that that just explains how scared I was going in there, how uncertain. I mean, it's a it's a dark, gray, dismal scary place when those doors slam shut behind you. Mm. I, mean, I can't imagine what it's like to actually be sentenced to go live there. And what was this like? I mean, this is so personal to you, like seeing it again for the first time after growing up with those experiences. Yeah. What was that kind of like? It's uh, 
bizarre is the only word that mm. that can come close. After a while teaching in the women's prison, I got to actually go over and start teaching to the men in the exact building where my dad lived. Really? And they haven't changed the tile on the floor. Wow. They haven't changed the paint on the walls. And it still smells exactly like I remember it. Wow. So visceral is the, you know, the way that I can answer that, just at a, a, a visceral sense of like, oh, this it place. reminds me of that book, The Body Keeps Score. Yeah. I yeah. haven't read that, but I've Kalk. seen it. Okay, it just came to my head. Like, as this book, I, I've, been, I've been thinking about just that our bodies keep score. They really you know? do. Mm. Our bodies hold traumas and our bodies hold memories. And that's a lot of the work that I'm doing with the people in there is that they've all lived through Mm-hmm. Something, something. Mm-hmm. If not, you know, things that we can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I, I walked into the women's prison. Within minutes, I felt like I was home. Really, Within minutes. I felt like I was where I needed to be. And part of that, you mm-hmm. said it earlier, Tara. This podcast is about people who are unseen. I felt in that moment the this God-given ability to see those people through eyes that maybe other people cannot because mm-hmm. I've been there. I know what it's like to be on the outside and love someone that's in there. And I could see them through those eyes. And I know, and I know they felt that. I know they felt seen as human beings mm-hmm. by another human being. And so I never wanted, to, I never want to stop doing this work. Mm. Wow. Yeah. The end? <laughs> no, we have more to go. We keep listening. Keep listening, everybody. <laughs> yeah. That's it, isn't it? it yeah. And it, this makes me think of another, this is your, no, this is maybe your grandmother's comment, which is your past doesn't define you, your past prepares you. Mm. And often yeah. our past can feel like something we need to just get rid of, right? We yeah. need mm. to just move on from, yep. Yep. we need to forget heal yeah. from yep. or sort of forget in some way or compartmentalize in some way or just you know say this this horrible thing happened or you know whatever it was but but it's not in vain what happened to us right it, right. it i love that idea that it, it, prepares, it prepares us, us. And that's, that's another piece of the advice that I got from that same mentor was that when you can look back at your past and when you can say, thank you, God, for all of it, mm. all of it, Ugh. because it got me here. Now, yeah. this yeah. is the important part, Okay, watch what I do with it. Wow. Right? There's, there's just, uh, there's a reason. It may, it gives reason, or maybe not reason, but it gives purpose to our pain. Yeah. And it makes me understand why I went through the things that I went through. Mm-hmm. You could have this empathy. Yeah. Yeah. And you knew so, how much it mattered to the person mm-hmm. to stop and look and see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the thing about the past two, Tara, that I really want to bring up now, yeah. I would love to do another TED Talk because I feel like the oh. sequel to this is yeah. when people, and I know you want to move in this direction, so hopefully I'm not nudging the conversation, but good segue, no, no, as, okay. as people transition out yeah. of jail or prison, yeah. what's heartbreaking to me yeah. is the first question that people ask is, what did you do? And so there's this, yeah, we want to let people leave their past behind. Mm. And I want to encourage the people that I'm working with to look at it and to use it for purpose. So it's their story to tell. 
it's not my question to ask. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. because people have been incarcerated, I think they feel like they are so low that they have to answer any question you ask of them. Mm. And they will. And it, it just breaks my heart that we keep pinning people to their past like that. And it like becomes that. an identity. Yeah. And it becomes a label. Mm-hmm. You are that thing you did. Yeah. And we don't even, maybe not even realize, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, it's just curiosity. Did you, did you this? Did you do that? Right? Yeah. But realize you're just reinforcing an identity or a yeah. label yeah. that none of us would want. Right. Like, no. even though for those individuals, it's, it's, it's public. Yeah. Right. It's a public right. thing. Yeah. And imagine someone asking you at a dinner party, right. like, tell me the worst thing you ever did. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. just, hey, can we talk <laughs> about that time icebreaker. that you blank, blank, blank? No. <laughs> I no, yeah. I can't. Yeah. I don't want to and I don't have to. Right. But to your point, there's a, such a sense of yeah. shame yes. or guilt or, or, or all of unworthiness. It. All of it. Less than. And Less than, yeah. And here's the really sad thing about it is that I think when we ask that question, mm-hmm. we are all human beings and part of us is also judging. And so yeah. depending on how you answer, I get to judge whether that was a lesser crime or an mm-hmm. unforgivable crime or, or, you know, fill in the blank. And it's, I, I just would prefer not to know. Hmm. I have a friend of mine that's a judge and he he saw some press that we had recently and he sent me a big letter telling me the details of the crime of one of these women. And it just crushed me to the core because I, I, I don't know. I make it a habit to not ask. I don't Google anybody. I don't want to know because you can't unsee that. You can't unhear that as a human being. And so I just had to go back to him and say, I'm not sure how you think you're helping me do my job. I understand you doing your job. You have to know those things. I don't. Mm. I don't think we need to know those things about each other. We need to lift each other up into higher spaces and help some. What's what's ahead of you? What are you up to right now? And how can I help you be up to that? Mm. So, wow. There's That's that. Really incredible. Well, before we go to sort of the, how we can engage as a community with folks that are coming out of incarceration. I, I want to stick with with trying to best understand the men and women that, that are in the prison system. And I was just trying to do some research on numbers of, of folks that are incarcerated, and I was really surprised how many people in Utah, how high, it's like 435 people per 100,000, which is like higher than some country you know it was like pretty high in the united states Mm -hmm. and to learn also that we are just about done building a huge prison west of the airport which has been a billion dollar Mm -hmm. infrastructure investment yeah you know that's going to house you know 3600 will have 3600 beds in it and most of the folks in draper will kind of move in that direction and then the draper will be all that area will be Available new, for development. A new daybreak. It's a new, it'll be a new daybreak. <laughs> Pretty much. More exactly. We might call it jailbreak. Uh, we might call it jailbreak, right? <laughs> but that there are a lot yeah. of people in our state, you know, that are that are in prison. Well, in the United States, we have the yeah. highest incarceration rate of any country uh, and anywhere in the world. Is that. We it's do. not even close, is it? I mean, I'm not no, super familiar, it's but so it's... Far, I, don't, yeah. I don't know the exact numbers, it's but it's so far ahead of any other country. We mm-hmm. just like locking people up, mm-hmm. you know? So I don't think we need to go down that road, but you right. know, the war on drugs was the beginning of it. Yeah. Yeah. And there are a lot of people incarcerated for yeah. what now would be considered minor offenses. Right, 
Right. So. And just sort of to be aware, because this is a, a population we don't see. Yeah. You know. Big population that yeah, we don't I see. I mean, it was interesting yeah. to even read, right, the fact that, like, they spent $90 million, which, and I don't, I'm not judging cho- choices that were made by, I'm not, it's not anything like that. I'm just saying, wow, like, on infrastructure and roads just to build to the new facility. Yes. Like, it's pretty remote. Yeah. Mm. It's over there yeah. and not in a place that you're going to have, it's going to be easy to get to. And not in a place no one wants that in their neighborhood. Right. Right. That's a good point. Whole other topic on that, right? <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. in my backyard. But, so I, I saw I saw somewhere like around fourteen thousand people maybe in Utah that are are behind bars. And then there's of course a difference between the jail and the prisons. Yeah. Which yeah. Um, and it's largely uh, people of color. And I, I would say every single person that I work with comes from a family with a history of drug or alcohol and or alcohol abuse, physical abuse, trauma, crime somewhere in the family. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's hard to crawl out of that hole when that's the way you're raised. And tell us a little bit more. I, I don't know if it can be in general terms or just like in, a, in one maybe story, of course, that can't encapsulate. But you have had such a benefit of being able to engage and develop relationship and friendship with so many men and women. Yeah. But help us know more like you said there's obviously history of or just experiences of lots of trauma something has happened but what have you kind of learned as you've spent more and more time not i mean teaching for hours and hours yeah i don't know how many hours to get the certification 200 hours for a certification so we we get some time together we i just came here from having lunch with one of our women who graduated inside of the prison in in the program what does that what does that mean tell us it's a yoga teacher training program okay so it's a 200 hour program she finished inside of prison she's now on the outside she's been out for two years wow once they come out we scholarship them into our community programs and so she chose to join our advanced program as soon as she got out so she's now a 500 hour yoga teacher She's wow. teaching classes through community education. She's teaching seniors. She does chair yoga for seniors. <laughs> she just is, she's a success story. She's got a great job. She's um, reconnected with family. Mm. Just super proud of her. And she, you know, wow. she's like the face of what we're doing. Mm. And we just support her. She's got a great community out here with our, our yoga, kind of our yoga family. Mm. So that's a success story. I could go on for days about a story that I just heard on Monday, one of the girls in training with us right now was pulled aside by an officer because there was another woman who was having a a mental breakdown and she was starting to get violent and she was just getting violent. And so they asked this woman who's in our training, will you go and see if you can calm her down? The officer asked an officer asked an inmate Mm. to go calm another inmate because she knows that she's in the yoga teacher training program. And she sat, she went into this girl's cell. She said it was kind of scary, but they let her go in and she put her hands on her knees and just said, will you just breathe with me? Will you just breathe with me? And she sat there for a few minutes and they took some, she taught her a couple of breathing techniques and it just de-escalated the situation. So for an officer to ask an inmate to help de-escalate, that's exactly what we hope for. Mm. That's exactly Mm. what we're trying to get to is that kind of environment. Those tools that create some presence and some. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. How many, like, is it, it's women and men. 
well, it was men. It's when we started with 10 women, and that's what the TED Talk focuses on. Mm-hmm. Now, the woman who that TED Talk focused on, Ferosa, is serving a life sentence. She, we helped her graduate through the pandemic. We did a lot of things through mail and a little bit over the phone, and she received now her 500-hour certificate. So now she's training with me. She's becoming a trainer. So we have 10 more women in the program right now, and she's helping me train them. When we get through this program, she'll be a full-fledged yoga assets trainer, and she'll be able to run trainings ongoing in the prison for as long as she wants to, because she's got time. I I mean, when you say life sentence. Yeah. She just turned 50, so she'll be there for a while longer. And she's been there 20 years. So she's, she is so hopeless. But what you're yeah. talking about sounds, yeah, for like now she has some purpose. Hope. They painted up on the wall of the gym, live live with purpose, and that's her that's her motto. I am living with purpose. While I'm here, I'll serve. Mm. And that's a revolving door down there. There's there are a lot of young women in and out of there on short sentences. They all go through her gym. They all meet her, and she has an opportunity to influence every person in there for the better. She's wow. she's so inspiring. And she's hopeful and she's happy and she's committed to lifting people up. Mm-hmm. It's pretty awesome. In her circumstance. In yeah. her, right. That's like upside right. down in my head. It's like, right. like you said, yeah. hopeless. There's no end to this Like sentence. why even you try? Are, yeah, like here I am for the rest of my life. Why even yeah. try? Wow. Yeah. So, you know, we just talk about that like, we all have a choice, don't we? Mm-hmm. Of, you know, here are my circumstances. And, you know, if I've got some kind of magic wand where I can change everything, great. But if I can't change my circumstances right now, I've got two choices. I sit here and complain, mm-hmm. or I sit here and do the best that I can yeah. to make the situation better. And that's right. what she's choosing. And we all have that choice. You we know, do. that's. We do. We're, Come on, Eric. It really, no, it, but you know what it just made me think of? It just made me just personally think of blessed are the poor in spirit, mm-hmm. right? Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted. You know? Yeah. And that blessed word means happy. You know, you mm-hmm. can have a choice, you know, in that moment mm-hmm. of difficulty mm-hmm. and your circumstance to just be, yeah. find that hope. Yeah, or or create it. We we talk a lot with our students about you. You really do get to write your own story, and there are parts of the story that are being written for you, like that lock on that door over there. You're not changing that part of the story, but there's a lot that you can change, and you decide. You're the star of your story. Are you a victim? Mm -hmm. Are you a hero? Mm -hmm. So to see someone like her, she has created programs now for the officers. She realizes that when her officers are in good spirits, everyone else is happier. <laughs> I love Imagine that. You that. call them peace officers. <laughs> yeah, like you, you used to term peace officers. Yeah, well, that's what they're supposed to be. But, you know, they live, they live very stressful lives as well. Yeah, their, yeah. their levels of stress, anxiety, PTSD, rate of suicide, domestic violence, they, they are 
talk about the body keeps the score. Somebody that goes to work every day, yes, and what they must have to like face and fear. She knows that. And so she has created programs for them. And in the new prison, we'll be we have a meeting out there tomorrow. They have dedicated six wellness rooms that we get to staff for the officers. Wow. So there'll be a little room like this with music and meditation and yoga mats and blocks and posters on the wall to help them stretch out their sore backs. So they, she really was the facilitator of making that happen. And it's going to happen in the new prison. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. So (sighs) I I just, the ripple effect is what makes me excited. Yeah. How do you feel like the system, you know, you're involved in understanding the new prison that's being built or just kind of the system in general, Give us a couple of pieces of insight, if, you, if you'd if you like, into how the system is sort of set up to help folks in that, in circumstances that involve incarceration fail, and how it's set up to help them succeed. Okay, I don't know that I'm the best person to speak on this, but I'll speak from my very limited experience, which is, you know, I'm a white female that's lived in Utah all my life, and I'm yeah. teaching a little bit of yoga inside our prison. Mm-hmm. I'm not a criminal justice activist, Fair enough. you know, Fair enough. I, but I do, I do try to understand it as much as possible. So mm-hmm. here's, here's my perspective. Prisons, both public and private, are financially motivated. Yeah, there you go. Thank you for that. I believe the number right now is it costs the the state of Utah gets $42,000 a year for a female prisoner and I think it's slightly higher for a male. I guarantee it doesn't cost them that much to house a prisoner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I look at their conditions really? and their facilities and their food and whatnot, I don't, I don't think it costs that much. So I think it's profitable. Therefore, I think there's incentive to have a revolving door. So I think I do think there is, I don't know, of whatever level incentive to keep people going through those revolving doors. I do think at a, for, at a public level, I know that there's, you know, tough on crime is something that people tend to fight for. You know, we want safe communities. Mm-hmm. We don't want, mm-hmm. you know, the, I don't want that person moving into my neighborhood. So I think there's a push for easy jail sentences. I don't know. I think mm-hmm. it's easy to lock people up in our society right now. So that's probably what we're doing to keep people in prison. It's called a correctional facility, and I don't see a lot of that happening. Mm. I see a lot of really good-hearted volunteers coming in. Like almost every religion has a volunteer in the prison. Their religious volunteers' office is robust, and Mm. we actually go in there under the office of religious volunteers. That's Mm. kind of our our doorway in. So I think a lot of us as volunteers want to see change. We are the correctional Mm. facilities. There are some mental health professionals Mm. that work in the system. But the system itself is designed to lock people up. Yeah. And it's Mm. it's more about punishment than rehabilitation. I remember one of the biggest challenges for my friend was that in order to do different pieces of writing letters and figuring out when you're getting out and is you need paper and stamps. And so she left us with stamps and paper to mail her so that she could have, <laughs> mail them in so she could have stamps and she could get paper and she had resources on the outside. Yeah. 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 She also had an education. Right. Mm-hmm. And she used that to help a lot of the women. She was with about 900 women. Wow. Most of, most of whom did not have resources on the outside. Yeah. Or education. 
education to, yeah. to a certain extent about mm-hmm. you know writing saying wait a minute why am i getting a fee for that kind of a crime i didn't even commit that kind of a crime yeah when i'm you know so there's so many steps mm-hmm. to trying to advocate for yourself and you don't have literal material things yeah. to do that for yourself right. And often you don't have the ability to maybe navigate some of the systems that Mm -hmm. you need to, and you need outside support to be able to do that. Right. So when you talk about volunteers coming in, Mm -hmm. I just know from my, again, my limited experience of through her who had all the things, it was still really, really, really Mm -hmm. hard to navigate your release date. Right. To say, no, 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 I, I shouldn't be getting these certain charges to manage the terms right so i can imagine that you know that is so difficult we're looking at you know and there's so many women yeah so many more women than so men many in the women system really? and i yes i've been reading about yes. women in prison and it's some massive percentage of the women who are incarcerated their crime was related to their partner like a in some way abuse. and that's yeah. that yes. is what my yeah that is what my my friend said it was it was then they didn't yeah. know how to right and so if that's your support on the outside yes. and in you know there are restraining orders and so many of them are not allowed to con- be in contact with their families on the outside mm-hmm. because the the crime was related to mm-hmm. a partner uh, there are just so many tentacles to it like that yes, that I, yeah. I just i can't imagine what they go through and i yeah. i've seen the people that have been there a long time they figure it out mm-hmm. they do have they know their way mm-hmm. through things but as a new person in there i don't yeah. i don't know i don't know how you do it yeah. unless someone took you under their wing and right showed you the ropes which right. it's dog eat dog a lot right. of times as well yes. self-preservation yes and, and you got favors and yeah yeah, yeah. So we are trying to change that. The the yeah. women in our program, that's yeah. what we've really been, you know, we, we just did a, a nice long meditation right before I left on Monday and to recall the one person when they first got into prison who extended a kindness to them. Mm-hmm. One person and one woman told a story that it was an officer that actually gave her a meal when it wasn't mealtime because she had missed the meal. They all had a story of that one person that they will never forget. And it could be as easy as I didn't have a towel and this person gave me a towel or somebody just pulled me aside and said, it's going to be okay. So there were many, many tears. And after we went around the circle with those stories, I said, okay, now you are that person. From this moment forward, you look around, there's someone that's hurting, hurting people, hurt people, healing people, heal people, Mm -hmm. look around. And you could tell they just got excited. They had like homework. They had a project yeah. to, you know, okay, okay. How about so-and-so? I'm going to talk to her today. So yeah. It was awesome. Wow. Yeah. Live with And to live with a little purpose, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just a little, like I'm going to look around and see one yeah. person that needs a smile today. Well, speaking of ways to help, ways to look <laughs> around, right? And, yeah. and help or ways to look around and extend kindness. You mentioned volunteers that are inside the prison system. And then we alluded earlier to just the reality of when you get out of prison and yeah. have to reintegrate and navigate and find a place to live and find a job and talk to people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and do life. Well, yeah. and, and right, knowing, oh, you know, you're sort of, you know, carrying this with you and, and, and hopefully carrying with, with them the idea that the past that they just had does also prepare them for their future yeah. in a positive yeah. way. Ways that you've seen 
people in your community, obviously Yoga Assets is doing this inside and outside of the prison system, but for, for our listeners, for our community of, of at church, here at Capitol as followers of Christ, what, what, are, what are ways we can be involved as a community? Well, I will tell you one thing that I don't know if you know this or not or remember this, but my dad came to Capitol. My dad attended Capitol and he actually got baptized here. So he had been raised LDS and then went through everything he went through, being incarcerated and whatnot. When he got out, he had sobered up and he started coming to church at Capitol with us and ended up getting baptized here. So oh, a little emotional about that because I remember being a kid yeah. and whenever I would be so excited when he would come to church with us when I was a kid and he was shunned because he was a smoker and he was a drinker and he didn't have clothes like the people in the church had. And I was always embarrassed and just felt really sad when I saw the way he was treated. So when he came to Capitol and I saw him embraced, I was so thrilled. And that's what I would say to you and to your listeners now that let's just see these people Let's embrace them. This, this is the perfect community for someone to step into who's been incarcerated. Let's not see them as the other. Let's see them as one of us. And, and I know you all do because I experienced that firsthand. Thank you for sharing that personal story. And the reminder of the power we have by seeing somebody the power that we have to you know look up from our phone mm -hmm. or look in the eyeballs of the person sitting next to us like at church or anywhere you mm -hmm. know yeah but i think in some ways especially if somebody comes to church sometimes you know they might have baggage of that or whatever that is or feel an extra sense of not enoughness right mm -hmm. from their life yeah but the power that we have to to look at somebody as an equal yeah. as made in the image of God and loved by God as much as anybody else, no matter what you did. Right. And welcome. No matter, no matter what. Without judgment, <laughs> without sizing somebody up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, by just that, that simple invitation that can be said without saying any words at all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. And in our, I'm thinking about also, Eric, and you know, in our workplaces, when we're renting an apartment that we might have, to the people who are applying. I'm mm -hmm. not even gonna get into how difficult it is for folks to rent an apartment, never mind if you have something right. on your, on something your that pops up on your papers. Right. But it's just, just to keep that, keep that, that open-mindedness, keep that open-handedness, keep that generosity in our, in our, in our posture to other human yeah. beings. Mm -hmm. Right, That right. Are, are walking around with these darn words on their paper that they don't want to define yeah. them or identify them or label them anymore. Yeah, and you know, let's be the person that offers second chances. And sometimes maybe it's a third or fourth or fifth, but thank goodness people gave me second chances. Me too. Yeah. yeah. Me too. Yep. Yeah. We will have some resources on our website on our Capital Stories page with just some organizations that yeah. maybe you could plug into if you were interested in doing so. Of course, we'll have links to um, Denise's TED Talk, like we mentioned, and, and, and her business, but as well as some other organizations, the Good News Jail and Prison yeah. Ministry and, and Justice for All and just some nonprofits that are out there putting some structure together, whether we're actually going to the prisons or just advocating 
um, and helping and using our voice and influence to to help support that large part large you know, of our of yeah. our population. Yeah, that we yeah, that we don't have see. the privilege to love yeah. and be seen and let's so, see them. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Denise. You're so welcome. Thanks for the conversation. Mm-hmm. Thanks for opening this up. You're doing good things here, and I'd love to send my friends this way. Thank you for listening in on that conversation. We're going to drop a link to Denise's TED Talk and other resources into the show notes, so be sure to check those out. We will be back at you in a couple of weeks.